The Dugout CEO Podcast is on the air. I'm Phil Van Horn, baseball lifer and fan of the Dugout CEO. Each week, Casey Cavell goes around the horn with baseball superstars, Hall of Fame coaches, and business leaders who've used baseball experience to win the game of life. Now batting, Casey Cavell. Dugout Nation, welcome to the Dugout CEO Podcast. Pumped up about today's episode. Today, we are joined by Mike Don Francesco. Mike is the CEO and founder of HitTrack Data Capture and Simulation System. The system is first of its kind, and it provides real stats and immediate visual feedback of key performance metrics within the baseball and softball community. I met Mike 10 years ago, right when he was starting this business. He is a true visionary who is always a step ahead of everyone else. Mike, welcome to the Dugout CEO Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. How are you doing? You bet. I'm doing fantastic. And shoot, our history goes way back and knew you when you were getting this business started. And it's cool to circle back after all these years and learn about what you got going on. And thank you yeah. so much for making some time. So, Mike, tell me about your uh, baseball background. Yeah. Well, well, first off, yeah, it's been, I think we met nine years ago. Uh, you, you were like an early adopter to hit tracks. And uh, I remember our meeting very well. I remember the facility very well. And and uh, yeah, that was a long time ago, but uh, you know, a lot of water under the bridge since then. But it's it's great to be here. Thank you. Uh, my sure. baseball background. That's what you wanted to talk about. My baseball background. So, uh, grew up playing. Um, extremely passionate about it as a kid. I remember crying if my little league practice was 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 rained out. You know, I was that passionate about it. Uh, always looking at back of baseball cards and box scores and stuff like that. So I played. Pretty much my whole life, um, went through high school, went through college, played D1 at Boston University, um, and that was in the early 90s. That's, that program's no longer around, unfortunately, but played for BU for a couple of years. Um, after that, I kind of, I didn't make it too much further after, after, after baseball at the college. Played some rec ball and stuff like that, so... Cool. Uh, that was pretty much it. I made it to I made it to D1 college, so that was but very passionate about it. And I played in some old man leagues and stuff like that up until a couple of years ago. So, but it's been Love a part it. of my life, been a part of my life my my whole life, I should say. So it's one of my besides my family, one of my few passions in life is, is baseball. I love it. I'm uh, I'm the same way. Growing up, you know, who was your baseball hero? Did you have one you looked up to? Oh, um, baseball hero. Probably I'm a big Yankee fan. Uh, so we sell to all the baseball teams, so I don't really show my allegiances too much. Uh, so, you know, keep this between us. It was, I'm a huge New York Yankee fan, uh, growing up and still today. Um, so I would probably say, uh, it was a toss up between, uh, probably Dave Winfield and Don Mattingly. So I remember that was it the 83 or 84 race where they were both vying for the, uh, batting championship and it came down to the last day and. Donnie Baseball beat him, I think, with a 343 batting average. And I remember being a little kid at the time and, and, and you know, just rooting for him. So I think Bat Mattingly was big. But I used to emulate Dave Winfield. Um, I remember him being 6'6". Six, six. And yeah. uh, I remember, like, uh, Phil Rizzuto and Frank White on, uh, uh, on WPIX, they used to say how it only took them 10 strides to get to second base. So I tried my best to do 10 strides. <laughs> but as a little kid, it was a little awkward. 
My father told me not to do that anymore. But so Dave Winfield and Don Mattingly, two hands down, my two favorite players growing up. I love it. Winfield, I think he got drafted MLB, NBA, and NFL, like total stud. Absolutely. I think he's one of the last, so I think it was Minnesota. Uh, he went to Minnesota, and he got drafted by the three sports. And I, if, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think he spent a day in the minor leagues. Yeah, I, think I know he's one of the greatest of all time, Hall of Famer. Yeah, so. no, I, if I'm if I'm correct, I don't think, he, and I don't, not many people do this. I don't think he spent a day in the minor leagues. He went right yeah. up to Major League Baseball. Impressive, right, right up to the show. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, thanks for thanks for sharing that, and uh, you know, talk to me a little bit uh, business wise. What do you do uh, on the business front, Mike? Um, well, I'm the founder and CEO of Hitracks. We were just chatting about that. You were an early adopter of it. So, yeah. for those of you that aren't familiar with Hitracks. Um, we've been out there for 10 years. We just celebrated our 10-year anniversary. Uh, it's a data capture and simulation system for baseball, for diamond sports. Uh, so um, you're familiar with launch monitors on the golf side or golf simulators. So we had this idea. Uh, I had this idea in 1999 um, of, of trying to get exit velocity and launch angles for baseball. Um, and it took a while to develop because of computers and real-time tracking and all that. But we finally uh, did it, released a product 10 years ago, and it was the first commercially available uh, data capture system out there. And the simulation end of it was a big thing for us because we wanted to, you know, sh not show just a bunch of numbers, but wanted to show the field and really get the engagement factor up for the players. So that's what Hitrax is. It's, uh, we, we track, we, we measure key metrics that are now standard. Uh, part of stat cast like exit velo launch angle and then the pitching stats and the and the, the catching stats with pop time um and we were pretty much the first commercially available product that did that but then you we display it on a live stadium so you can play you know in fenway park or yankee stadium and see that that hit live just like a golf simulator in a course you can see your hit live in a baseball field so there's the analytics side of it but there's also a fun engaging gamification of practice that that we embraced very very early on yeah and we had them in our baseball academies and a ton of fun and you know you could play games with them you can see how how good you're doing i mean it was a really cool thing that we had and i mean how'd you how'd you like build expand and grow that business because the product itself was amazing how did you go and get that into the hands of your ideal customer oh god just brute force <laughs> and just it was just sheer will um, so, you know, I was working full time. We were developing this, me and my partner, a software engineer, uh, in the garage. Um, and when we got it to a point where we could start selling them, um, I built them in my basement. I would literally put them in my car. It was a much bigger unit back then. And I remember driving, I'm in Boston. I remember driving up and down I-95 to New Jersey. New Jersey was the first real, uh, kind of place that went viral, so to speak in Texas and, and you were in Atlanta. So I was basically sh building, shipping them out, following them on an airplane or driving, installing them, supporting them. I did that for probably about five or six months before I quit my real job. Yeah. And uh, I spent, you know, the first year or two, I think we sold 22 units the first year. That was 2012, 2013. Um, 2013 no one knew about exit velo or launch angle at the time so they saw it more as a game type of thing but i always envisioned it on the analytics and really just word of mouth 
was the first real uh, factor on that. We, I wanted to make sure we put out a good product that worked and it was engaging and, and all that. And uh, we just, uh, I just went out there and, and just talked to a lot of people and networked and, and built it up, you know, one at a time at that, those very early stages. And it was just uh, only a couple of employees working out of my house. Yeah, so I love that. I mean, started. we get business owners listening into the podcast and it's like, how do you grow your business? It's one, have an amazing product. And two, yeah. if you have an amazing product, people will tell other people about it. You got to support it. And, yeah. you know, that's from my previous, you know, jobs. If you don't support something, um, we had a great product. It was solid. It worked. Um, it was very accurate. It was fun. But you still, you know, people still going to have questions about you know, how to calibrate or this or you know, I don't know, there's the sun shining into it and it's going to obstruct the camera. There's always something, but you've got to make sure you support it. So great product, you know, the word of mouth and, you know, listen to your customers, but you got, you got to support the product. Uh, anything. I love that. I love yeah. that. Well, you know, looking at home runs, you've hit a lot in your business career. What would you say are some of your biggest accomplishments, Mike? And then, you know, how'd you, how'd you make it happen? Teach us something. Yeah. So on the business development side, so, you know, we grew, you know, we grew organically, um, you know, word of mouth. And, you know, you obviously go to the trade shows and stuff like that. You meet with a lot of people. You pick out, uh, you know, influencers and early adopters that are going to spread it out like social media wise and, and, you know, highlight the colleges, the programs that you want that are going to, you know, get the most exposure. Um, I didn't hit major leagues at all. I did not pay attention to them for the first couple of years. Um, you know, so you look at the pyramid, you know, and you have the, you know, the, the, the few here, but the base, I, I wanted to hit the base first instead of the major wow. leagues. I wanted to hit the, the, the product was designed for academies. So that's where I spent most of my energy. And, and, you know, at, that was, this was pre StatCast, And I just, not that I refused to talk to MLB, but they all didn't know what to do with the data back then. They wanted it for free. And I, you know, I have a mortgage to pay. I'm trying to build a, build a business. So I concentrated on the base of the pyramid. And, you know, I thought they were like about, you know, three to 4,000 baseball academies uh, in the U.S. back then, you know, in, in, the, in 2013. And I tried to hit as many as I could because I thought we, we give the product to them. Um, so I just did a lot of, you know, guerrilla marketing, a lot of, lot of uh, grassroots campaigns and ton of trials, word of mouth, the key influencers. Um, that's really what we did. Uh, not a lot of, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I did some cold calls and stuff like that, but you know, it was at this point, it was so new that people had to know other people that had it before we, before we, uh, before they really were sold on it. Um, so that again, supporting the product and, and networking and stuff like that with the influencers, that, that was a big, big step. So, you know, I, I've been through a couple of companies in my life and, you know, to the startup, from zero revenue to maybe a million to $2 million, that's sheer will. You know, you got to get out there and you got to pitch the product and that's hard to do. Um, and then once you get over that $2 million mark, getting it maybe to 10 million a year and all that, and, and you try to get those milestones, but that zero to two is hard and it's just sheer will uh, getting out there and getting that, getting that product out there as many people as you can. And again, supporting it. Um, sure. So that, that's sure. what we did. Um, you know, make sure, make sure you have a great product and, and that really yeah. helps and be yeah. passionate about things. And the thing I, I love is you knew your ideal customer. It wasn't MLB. 
It was the academies when you focused in. I see so many businesses, Mike, they're going after the wrong customer, the shiny object syndrome where it's like, hey, who do you serve and how do you sell more, especially getting it to one to two million dollar ratio? Yeah, no, I, I, I've talked to a few people. Um, one was this high uh, manufacturer because I got in bed with some manufacturers, the bat manufacturers uh, pretty early on because they for R&D testing and stuff like that. And I remember talking with one CEO of a very large company, and he's like, you got to get to MLB. you got to get to MLB. And I, I you know, and then uh, I just didn't agree with it because, first off, they wanted things for free. Um, secondly, you couldn't, you couldn't promote the product. They didn't want other teams to let you know that, oh, the Yankees had one or the Blue Jays had one. They didn't want you to go around telling them what, telling other people what they did. I saw no sense in it. I, I, I did my share, my fair share of demos to them, but it wasn't something that I ran out and sought after because I knew it wouldn't scale, right? Um, and not at that point in time. Uh, we service them, you know, to the nth degree now, and all of our customers are important. Uh, but back then, I really honed in on on the bottom of the pyramid, you know, those three to four thousand uh, baseball academies that were out there. Um, it was just a much easier sell and uh, it, it was a quicker and much easier sell. And the product was really designed to get them to do more lessons, but also on the engagement side or the, or the, or the gaming side to bring the kids back in more often. So, yeah, um, yeah I, you're right. You know, you have to know your product. You have to know your customer. Um, and we designed it for that, for, that, for that baseball academy experience. And that's what we had. Love it. Love it. You know, looking at, you know, how you built your business, any swing and misses where you're like, hey, you know what, that just didn't work or any big learning lessons along the way you'd like to share with us? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we had our we had our lane, you know, we we're selling hardware and, and we have data and selling, you know, subscription based and stuff like that. We probably could have done a little bit better on the subscription side and not rely so much on the hardware sales. So we're still learning how to do that. You know, you try to get player apps out there and try to get that $10 a month from the player and stuff like that. That, that you know, that was good. But, it, it, you know, if you look at my original business plan, you know, our software sales were going to far eclipse our hardware sales, you know, after a couple of years because of subscriptions and game fees and this and that. Uh, it didn't really go as planned. Um, so we're still selling probably more on the hardware sales uh, portion of our revenue on the hardware as opposed to software. It's getting pretty close, but but it didn't go as planned, that's for sure. Um, so building up the software side of the business, the subscriptions and the apps, um, that took a long time, uh, much longer than I thought. Um, because a lot of people fight for that that $8 a month, you know, for this app or all that. So that took a while. Um, and as a small company, you pick and choose your partners that you want to work with, you have limited resources. And, and, you know, we were the first real tech company out there in baseball. Um, and then you see bat sensors and you see this and you see that. And you try to team up with people and everyone wants to team up with you. And I've teamed up with a couple that I spent resources on that maybe I shouldn't have because I thought it was cool. So it was, a, you know, nice people, but doesn't always mean success when you team up yeah. with third parties. So that you kind of look at because, you know, you have limited resources. You want to make sure you spend them wisely and on uh, projects that are going to produce revenue for you. So we try to do our best at that, and most of them come to fruition and, and 
and produce positive results, but there's been some swings and misses, as you say. Um, but you have to choose wisely there with your third-party integrators and your third-party partners. Um, you know, uh, but we've we've done. You know, you make some mistakes, but you learn from them. But you know, those are probably the early ones that we that we kind of went through and learned from. And you know, lately we still try to sell services and third-party services and training services to augment our hardware sales. And and those are those are tough to do. You know, those are tough to get that extra. You know, from the customer or from the facility, and there's a fine line there on on sales and subscriptions, and then additional sales. So it's those yeah. add-on sales that we we still try, and we don't always succeed at. You know, some sure, sure. Yeah. yeah, we talk a lot in business about you have your core thing that you sell to everybody, yeah. but then you have the things that are add-ons that sometimes are MRR, recurring revenue, which really helps your yeah. business valuation. It helps with cash flow. So you have your unit. And then it's all the other cool things that you can add on to, you know, and heighten customer experience and all that kind of stuff. So that's really cool. And then going back to your, you want to build your valuation up, and the valuation is your is your revenue, is your is your uh, sales and, and um, your software as a service model and SaaS models and stuff like that. And it's not easy. <laughs> it's not it's not easy. So uh, we still try, and we're we're getting better and better at it. And you got to make sure you you produce a service that people want, you know, yep. and you really got to, you really got to be in touch with your customer base to figure that out. I love it. I love it. Really good. Well, what do you got for us today, Mike, on some chin music, anything that you believe or really have a strong opinion about that, you know, might challenge our listeners? Uh, challenge them. Um, I can tell you what we're working on that. I think, you know, looking into the crystal ball and stuff like that. So when we first came on board 10 years ago, um, you know, we, this again, pre-StatCast for many years, actually, uh, we knew that exit velo and launch angle were going to be the big thing. That's when I played, uh, I, I was an engineer and stuff like that. And when I hit balls, I knew that I didn't want to hit ground balls. I needed to hit the ball, you know, 17 degrees and stuff like that. So in my head, I was always trying to hit line drives. So we were kind of ahead of the curve there with respect to these advanced stats that are available, readily available now. Um, the next thing that we just introduced biomechanics. So integrating um, what the body's doing, uh, for example, your center of mass or your stride length or your shoulders versus pelvis and doing that in combination with the end result of the, of the ball. Um, that's a big thing. So you have the high end systems like Hawkeye that are doing this for major leagues. And now we're bringing it down to uh, the academy level. Um, the prosumers and stuff like that, the trainers, the coaches now that aren't available to do it on the high-end scale with mocap labs and, and the Hawkeye system and all that. So biomechanics is now available on tracks as of a couple of months ago. Um, yeah. And it's a learning process, just like we had to teach people how to train with exit below and launch angle, which is now, you know, it's, it's commonplace. Back then it wasn't. Um, now we're doing the same thing with biomechanics where should your shoulders be with respect to your hips at point of impact? What's a good uh, angular velocity? Um, you know, all of that, your head movement, your stride, where your center of mass should be shifting and it shouldn't be shifting after your heel strike. That sort of stuff is next on the on the list. So we've spent a lot of time on it over the past couple of years. And now we're in, we introduced it. Um, it's cloud-based, so it means it, it, the data comes in about 30 seconds after the swing. Um, so it goes up to the cloud and it comes back. So we're working on real time 
for that. That's still coming. But the biomechanics in general, I think, is going to be key um, to uh, for coaches and part of the analysis uh, moving forward. It's just going to that same learning curve that it took with exit velo launch angle. I think we're in that now with biomechanics, and that's coming, that's coming forward. Mike, you're years ahead of everybody, right? You're a true well, visionary. You're seeing into the future, and you're like creating solutions for problems that people don't even know they have. And I think that's what amaz- That's why you're an amazing entrepreneur. A lot of entrepreneurs they solve problems that are already there, but then there's other people that solve problems that people don't even know exist. And, and that's you where you're. To, then you have to educate them, and and you have to, you know, which is which yeah. is tough. So it takes a lot of patience, you know. Um, so you're evangelizing. Uh, in, in a manner of speaking. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm not a, a visionary, but uh, but this is something that I firmly believe in. And people, yeah. people are going to want to know what their hips, their hips should be exploding, you know, and their shoulders should be following and coiling. And well, that's where you're going to get your power from and your legs, it comes up. So knowing, knowing a little bit about hitting and, and the importance of all that, uh, there's technology out there that can do that. They're high-end systems, they're mocap systems, which is my background in biomechanics. Um, I worked for a mocap uh, system back in the 90s. That gave me the idea of hit tracks. And so I've been doing this for 20 some odd years now. Um, and it's all stemmed from biomechanics. And the technology's at a point now where you don't need sensors. You don't need inertial sensors or reflective markers with cameras all around. Um, you know, that's the most accurate, but maybe we don't need the most accurate. Maybe we can get that data out of one camera that I'm already using for video analysis, by the way. And yeah. we could do that. So I yeah, that's um, it's it's here, and now it's trying to get it to a useful manner, very intuitive. You don't need a PhD. You don't. You can't have a PhD. You don't want. You don't. You shouldn't have them require a PhD to understand this. So it's educating and, and all of that. So that's where we're at. Well, you're right. A customer that's confused isn't somebody that buys. And also, a lot of times people buy because they know they have that problem. And I think what you have is something that solves a problem that people know they have, but you're also solving for the problems that, you know, the baseball community doesn't even know exist yet. And that's where you're just ahead of the game. And I think that's, uh, I think they know they exist. It's not a problem, but you know what your ideal swing is going to look like. Right. And, but you don't know what your, uh, for example, your angular velocity of your pelvis should be and the timing of all that, the sequencing, which is big. That's, that's, you know, uh, driveline's been doing that for a while, and teams do that. You're sequencing, moving from the ground up. And, but what is it really? And that, and it's getting to the masses now. And you have to have a nice, easy, intuitive interface so people aren't they're not used they're not people aren't used to looking at graphs, you know, and, and lines and stuff like that. You have to put it in a nice, easy interface. And that's what we've tried to do with our first release, which again is a couple of months old now. And we'll keep iterating it. and growing and educating and that's one of the things we're working on cool well i want to keep in touch with your progress and what you're developing mike because it's obviously been an amazing thing for the baseball community so how does somebody go about you know getting in touch with you and learning more about uh, what you're doing at hitchracks yeah so it's hitchracks.com uh emails at info at hitchracks.com telephone number we always answer is right on the website we have an 800 number um send an email uh we have you know it's just not me anymore so we have a uh, number of salespeople here, engineers, marketing people, social media is, is pretty big um, on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, I'm not sure about Facebook, uh, but Instagram and Twitter. Um, so there's a 
there's a number of ways to get in touch with us. I love it. Well, super cool, Mike. Well, thanks for your time. I know our listeners are going to be super thankful for the wisdom that you shared with us today. And it was uh, awesome having you on the Dugout CEO podcast. All right. Thank you very much, Casey. It was a pleasure. All right. Thanks, Mike. Dugout Nation, what a great time with Mike Don Francesco, a true visionary entrepreneur that is at the cutting edge of baseball technology and innovation. And here are my big three takeaways that I learned from Mike. Number one, how to grow your business. Have an amazing product. Seems simple, but it's not. But if you do have an amazing product, other people will tell other people about it. But you have to have a product that you believe in, others believe in, get to know your customers, figure out what they want, get real-time feedback from your customers of what they love, what they don't like, and make it better. And then teach your customers how to share what you have with the world. Number two, how to build your business valuation up. Well, figure out a way to sell your customer more of what you currently have or figure out something else that they want that you don't have and create a new service. And if you can figure out a way to create some kind of MRR, monthly recurring revenue, you're in really great shape. So don't just focus on selling something once to a customer. Sell it to them over and over and over again. And number three, persistence and willpower. Building a business is not going to be as easy as you think. It's not going to be as glamorous as you think. It's going to take twice as long, be twice as hard, but you're going to have to have others around you that are going to support you, encourage you, because not everything is going to go to plan. But stay focused, stay persistent. You're going to have to have a whole lot of willpower to make it work. But if you do, you will rise to the top. Thank you for joining us once more for another episode of The Dugout CEO. We want to get you the tips you need to become an MVP of what you do. Sign up for our Friday Focus newsletter and you'll receive a valuable tip each Friday morning to help you build the business and life you want. You can sign up by going to CaseyCavell.com or click the link in the show notes. And make sure to hit the subscribe button so you get notification on our next episode. And one way you can help us book more great guests like this is to please leave us a rating and honest review in the Apple or Spotify podcasting app. 